0: Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 815, 945, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Well, it's good to be back uh, this Sunday. I was actually with you last Sunday uh, using up my data plan somewhere between Greenville, South Carolina, and Chambersburg, uh, my wife and I and our two youngest kids. If you don't know, we have six children, Karen and I do, uh, from 25 down to 13, and our two oldest, Jay is our oldest, who is on the uh, tech team. Uh, part of the uh, video uh, team there at Elevation, a church in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina called Elevation Church. Jay's on staff there. He's been there for three years. And uh, we visited him and then went on down to see our second son, Jesse, who just got a job, uh, his first job out of college at a uh, graphic design firm in downtown Greenville. So we were yet to see his, where he lived, and his new apartment, and his new job, and his new office, and his new life. Uh, and so it was great to get uh, the chance to drive down and spend some time with, with both Jesse and Jay, and we, we loved it. So uh appreciated the opportunity to do that, but we were driving home last Sunday and I was, uh, was worshiping with you uh, somewhere out in the, in the countryside. It was uh, great to uh, hear from Pastor Don last Sunday, brought a very convicting message out of uh, Matthew chapter 25, if you haven't heard that or seen that, go online, go to our website, check that out. Let the Lord speak to you in that. Uh, we're making our way through this year of transformation Here at King Street Church, and every one of the messages this this year is is part of this overarching theme. I used a quote the first Sunday of of 2017 by a a great evangelist from the 19th century named D.L. Moody, who said, The Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. That we take what we're reading, what we're learning, what God's doing in our lives, and we allow the Lord to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ ultimately. That's what the Lord is doing. He's shaping our hearts, that our minds and our hearts are transformed. And uh, we're looking at three very specific aspects of transformation, spiritually alive, Relationally connected and missionally engaged. A couple of weeks ago, I, I uh, you know, talked a little bit about this triangle. And uh, again, spiritually alive. The question that, that uh, I think we ought to be asking ourselves regularly as we encounter these key aspects of transformation and discipleship is who am I worshiping? Who am I worshiping? As Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. Who am I worshiping? Relationally connected. Who am I in community with? Who is my community? Really challenging us to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And thirdly, missionally engaged that, uh, that we, we understand that God has given us what we have really for His glory and for the service of other people. Who am I serving? And that's where Dawn talked about last Sunday, the, in, in as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. But what we see in this is that it really is uh, one leading to the other to the other. It's a cycle uh, in our transformed life, and just to kind of spin this around, we're coming out of missional engagement and we're coming back into a month where we're looking and talking about spiritual life. What does it mean to be spiritually alive? And the question that I want to ask today is this question, how do I experience spiritual life when I am in the pit of discouragement? When I am in the pit of discouragement? That's kind of where we're going this morning. That's the question, the big idea that I'm asking this morning. In fact, even as we uh, dig into Psalm 40, I'd like you to just bow your heads with me as we begin this message. And Lord, we, uh, we come before you right now grateful, Lord God, for this time of worship, this time of being in your, in your fellowship, in your body, with, gathered as one another, with one another, but God, we also come before you right now, personally, acknowledging between us and you, God, that, uh, that we need you. Lord, there are some, even many, in this room, listening right now online, over in the sanctuary, God, that are, that are really, truth be told, really struggling, struggling through some relational uh, despair, Lord, struggling with grief, struggling with addiction and sin, struggling perhaps with someone that we know and love very much that is is running from You or is going through a very, very difficult time right now. God, You know our hearts. And Lord, the truth of it is, it can be very, very difficult, Lord God, to really, truly worship You and, and, and have a sense of spiritual life When I'm in this pit of despair, this pit of of sorrow, this pit of grief, of difficulty, this shadow of the valley of death. And Lord God, we just ask you right now to speak to us by your spirit. Open our hearts to what you would have us to hear this morning. Amen. Turn with me, please, to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. This is one of King David's great psalms. And I want to tell you right out of the gate that what we see in King David, 3,000 years ago, one of the heroes of our faith, uh, a man after God's own heart, a man that wrote a good bit of the Bible, what we see in his life is a man that found himself often, honestly, in these pits of despair. And we have to love that he was willing to pour his heart out before God, writing it down for us, creating these song lyrics. Uh, That's what the Psalms are, so that we can relate to them, and they're fresh. They speak to us, and they also teach us. We're going to look at Psalm 40 today, and and before we dig in, I want you to see that uh, Psalm 40 really breaks down into two key halves. The first half, verses 1 through 10, is basically David looking into the past in his own life. He's giving testimony to how he has seen God at work in his own life. You know, when we go through difficult times, we do that. We draw on past experiences to say, God, I know you've gotten me through this in the past. And then in verses 11 to 17 For David, this is right now. This is things that he's experiencing in present tense that he's applying lessons learned in in this psalm that he writes. So let's look together. David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Who does not look to the proud. To those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak... And tell of your deeds. They would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you didn't require. Then I said, here I am. I've come. It's written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I don't seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I don't hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak your faithfulness and your saving help. I don't conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. So now, Lord, don't withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, that, and I cannot even see straight. They're more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord. Help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I'm poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. Lord, you are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Please, Lord, do not delay. Do you hear it? To hear how David is, is starting this psalm to say, God, you have been there for me. And I haven't kept my mouth shut about it. I declare who you are among the assembly. I let people know, God, how good you've been to me. And yet now, oh Lord my God, I need you again. I am in the pit of despair again. My sin overwhelms me. My sin, more than the hairs of my head, I can't even begin, oh God, to list all my sin before me, before you. And God, all those that want my ruin that are standing there saying, aha, aha, Lord, I'm gonna stand and say again, God, you are great, but God, I need you again. What we see here in Psalm 40 really is a pattern, a pattern that David has learned in the past, a a pattern that David has come to understand, and now he is living it out again in the present tense. We need to understand this this pattern of life to really truly experience uh, spiritual life in the midst of our difficulties in the midst of our pits of despair. So six things in this pattern. We see them in verses 1 through 3. Number one, pits are a part of life. <laughs> pits are a part of life. Yes, life can be a bowl of cherries, but there's always going to be pits in the middle of the cherries. I found this quote by one of our Supreme Court justices. I thought that was very appropriate for this coming week in our country, Louis uh, Brandeis back in the 20s and 30s. We don't know. I don't know. I didn't hear who his daughter was. He either said it or wrote it. But I loved this quote. He said, my dear, this is written to his frustrated, impatient daughter. My dear, if you would only recognize that life is hard, things would be so much easier for you. If you would just understand that life is hard Have this as your expectation, my dear, because it's not always going to go your way. Pits are a part of life. In in John chapter 16, we come to the end of of about a two-hour section in the life of Jesus. It's very interesting. When you read the Gospel of John chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16... Four of, uh, of the 21 chapters of John take place in about two hours. And it's in the upper room, the night before Jesus was arrested and crucified the next day. They're having a Passover meal. And as Jesus sits his guys down in the upper room, he says, All right, here's the deal. I'm going to be arrested and this isn't going to go well tonight. This isn't going to go well. And then he says in John 14:1. Uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you. For where I go, I will bring you with me, but I want you to have peace. You're going to need to abide in me. You're going to have to stick with me so that my spirit can be alive in you. He teaches them about the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the one that's going to come to get them through it because it's going to be tough. And then he gets to chapter 16, verse 1, and he says, I'm telling you these things so that you will not fall away. You've got to know what to expect. This is not going to go easily for you. In fact, they're going to put you out of the synagogue. You're going to face major persecution. And he bookends that at the end of chapter 16 by saying, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. For in the world, say it with me, You will have trouble. It's going to happen. That's part of what it means to live in this fallen world. You will have trouble and suffering, but take courage, for I have conquered the world. Pits are a part of life. It is inevitable. And we see here in verse 2, where back in Psalm 40, David says, You lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the slimy pit. That's, that's interesting language. Slimy. Think slimy. What does slimy mean? Slimy means you're not going to get a foothold at all. In fact, as different translations... Uh, The NIV uses the language slimy pit. The New American Standard Bible calls this the pit of destruction. The King James calls this the horrible pit. The Revised Standard Version says the desolate pit. And it gives a uh, a little footnote there. And you go down and they say that in the Hebrew really the closest word that we translate horrible or destruction or desolate, the the real language there is is the Hebrew meaning of this word tumult, tumult. In other words, we are in a pit so so dark that it's, it's not like this... You know, don't think of a, of a nice, calm well with, a, you know, with calm, still water down at the bottom. I mean, that in and of itself wouldn't be too cool to be down in there. But nonetheless, that's not what he's saying. It's not just a, a, a pit or a hole. or This is slimy. This is a tumult. It's like I'm in the hole and I can't not only get a foothold, but everything is falling apart around me. You know, I got to tell you, as I was studying for this and thinking about this, I thought about a book that I actually am reading like in these last couple of weeks. And yesterday, as I was putting the finishing touches on this message, uh, I was reading in a book called The Johnstown Flood by David McCauley. You say, why are you reading The Johnstown Flood? Well, why do people watch the Titanic, right? You know, you know it's going down. Um, the Johnstown flood, honestly, I thought it was interesting to, to just kind of get in touch with some of the history. Johnstown's only a couple hours from here. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an incredible story. This took place in May of 1889, May of 1889, 128 years ago, is this story of uh, of a dam that they had built up on the Connemaw River. A uh, couple hours from here, one of the gullies, one of the ravines, and uh, it was built. The water was actually held there in, a, in an earthen dam to supply the, uh, the canal system of the 20s and 30s that was going through, but it took them a long time to build the dam. They had all kinds of, con- of conflict and issues. By the time they got it finished in the 40s, guess what had already come through? the railroad. No more need for a canal. So they had this dam up there that they actually let just go down to almost nothing for 20, 30 years, 20 years. But some very rich men, Carnegie and Clay and others from Pittsburgh wanted a place to summer, to go to cottages. So they decided to refill the lake up to its brim, 70 feet at the earthen dam of water couple of miles long, they decided to refill it and make it into a summer place for cottages. But what they didn't do is patch up the dam after it had been sitting there for all those years. Very foolish. And so in May of 1889, 31st of May, the dam broke. It was a terrible flood and it took the water, well, I say water, it's very interesting as I read this and this is really what triggered this even as I was preaching slimy pit. Because you would think, okay, they show this kind of this graphic image of water like Niagara Falls. They basically, basically say it was like Niagara Falls for a half hour that rushed down into this canyon, but it took the water an hour to travel 15 miles. Why? Because by the time it got out of that earthen dam, it was so filled with muck and trees and rocks and mud, and as it went down, taking houses and hundreds of train cars that had been stopped along the way because it was a terrible storm that day, that by the time it hit Johnstown, 15 miles took an hour to get there, and this wasn't just like this wave of, of fresh, sparkling, clean water. In fact, it's described this way. The first appearance was like that of a great fire, the dust it raised. Another survivor described it as a blur, an advance guard, as it were, a mist like dust that precedes a cavalry charge. For everyone who who saw it seemed uh, something especially evil about this awful mass of spray that hovered over the black wreck. It was called, it was talked of as a death mist and would be remembered always. The drowning and devastation of the city took about 10 minutes. For most people, they were the most desperate minutes of their lives. Snatching children, struggling through the water and muck, trying to reach the high ground, running upstairs as houses began to quake and split apart. The whole world around them seeming to spin faster and faster. Why do I read that? I read that because that's how David feels. That's what David is going through. This isn't, this isn't just a pit. This is a pit of desolation, a pit of despair. And pits are part of life. I think about what David wrote in Psalm 69. Save me, God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. Where there is no foothold. That's the bottom line here. God, I need help. I can't even get a foothold in this pit. There is nothing I can do. Second of all, you gotta cry. You gotta cry. David over and over again cries out, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Psalm 6, another Psalm of David, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Psalm 69, uh, verse 3, I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched, but you've got to see here, our cry can't just be to other people. Our cry must be To God. Look at verse 4 of chapter 40, where David says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. God, you are my only foothold in this. You are my only foothold. You are all I've got. I'm turning to you. Blessed is the one who does does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. No, God, I'm trusting in you. We see another Psalm of David, 146. Don't put your, put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. My goodness, how many times do we do that? Do we look for all of our help in other people? No, we can't do that. Our cry must be to God. No, people return to the ground Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. you got to cry. Principle three, wait for it. Wait for it. Verse one, I waited patiently for the Lord. The word there is patiently. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, David writes. Or Isaiah chapter 41. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings like eagles. We have to wait on the Lord. And you see, when we wait, knowing this, that that we've got to wait for God in His time, guards our hearts from unbelief when the help seems slow in coming. When God seems to be silent That when we understand that as we wait patiently for the Lord, God will move. I think about a song that I learned early on when I was learning how to play the guitar. It was uh, an old, I think, Hosanna Praise song. In His time, in His time, He makes all things beautiful in His time. Lord, please show me every day as You're teaching me Your way. That you do just what you say, what, in your time. God, i got to wait on you. Fourth, rescued. And what, what David experiences here as rescued is this. It's the essence of being rescued is the restoration of that strong feeling of God's nearness and His help. By rescued here, it is David, you can read it again, read through Psalm 40, it is David crying out for the presence of God to cover him, to reassure him once again that he is not alone. You see, God doesn't always do what we want Him to do. God doesn't always answer our prayers exactly how we want them answered. You see, rescued is the understanding that God is with me, even when I'm going through the valley, even when life is tough. That's what it means for God to rescue us. It's protection, forgiveness, deliverance. We see it down in verses 11 through 13. Five, a new song. You see, that's what God gave David. In fact, Psalm 40 could well be the new song he's talking about. How many of you, how many of you understand that worship is a spiritual weapon? Worship per- turns back or pushes back the darkness. In 2 in, in Chronicles chapter 20, it's very interesting. King Jehoshaphat was going to go out and fight an unwinnable battle against three armies that had joined together to fight him. In fact, 2 Chronicles 20, 12 is one of my favorite verses. Jehoshaphat says, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And so he acts and he sends out his army. But do you know who he puts at the front of the army? Worshippers. They go out and they say, great is the Lord our God. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. Go back and look at it. Worship is a weapon. How many of you take the songs that we sing on Sunday and just let them run through your mind as you go through the week? Make it happen (laughs) because worship is a weapon. God gives us a new song to push back the darkness. And lastly, so that others... Look at verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. I got to tell you what, whenever you're going through difficult times, at the end of the day, it's not about you. You see, it's never all about you. God is using whatever He's putting you through as a witness to other people. As a witness to other people, I think about this cycle again of, uh, of relational connection, missionally engaged. You see, what God is doing brings spiritual life to other people. The whole story turns out to be a lesson in personal evangelism, winning others to Christ. When you find yourself in a pit, here's the, here's the pattern of life. When you find yourself in a pit, cry out to the Lord like a helpless child, Let your voice raise to God. Wait patiently for the Lord. And when He comes in His time and makes you secure, then sing a new song to His grace so people can see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me right now. God, we thank You for this pattern that David not only learned from in his own life, but God, that David can pass along to us to understand, Lord, that pits are a part of life. They're going to come. Lord, that these can be slimy pits where we, don't, we can't even get a foothold. God, help us to cry out to you. Come and rescue us. Renew us, Lord, with the clear sense of your presence. And Lord, we're going to sing a new song. In my desperation, God, I'm going to sing a new song to you. I'm going to cry out to you, Lord, my God, right now. Or we're going to sing these words. Are you hurting, broken, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Lord, we're going to turn to you right now. We're going to sing these words with all of our heart. and We're going to ask you, Lord, cover us, fill us. Cover us with your presence, with the assurance, Lord, that we are not alone. Let's stand and let's sing a song of praise to the Lord our God. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.